Yeah, because I had the mic set up. I was just like, oh, right. Like, I need to hit record on the microphone. Yeah, it hasn't been going this whole time. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> what if we did that? We just started talking. We're like, all right, we'll get the episode started. And then we didn't record it at all. It would be like <laughs> those three times <sighs> that that did happen to us. I never retold the story of Phineas Gage because it was like, fuck this. You've heard it three times. <laughs> oh, that's right. Did You never went back and told it? No, I feel like we both just abandoned the stories that we had that week. I'll have to go back and look. I literally have blocked that from my memory. (laughs) It was so traumatic. It was, it was bad. It was was really awful. It was a lot. Oof. Anyways. That's why I format this SD card at the start of every single fucking episode. Just like we learned with our live stream. We're learning. We're moving forward. I asked you before. I'll say it again. Is this growth? (laughs) is this a growth is this a growth is this a growth Five. Five? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. 105. It's crazy. I know. It really is. Yeah. The fact that we're coming up on two years is crazy. And it, honest to God, snuck up on us because I just, I was like, oh, we have some time. And then I looked down and I'm like, no, it's literally like next week. I know. It's absolutely nuts. And that's that's what Corona will do to you, man. If you're listening to this in the, in the future when Corona's gone away. This was recorded was a- during the time of Corona. It was a different life back then, right now. Right now. <laughs> you know what? I like your forward-thinking, positive mindset. We're already in the future. The quarantine is already behind us. Everything is fine. I We've grown cute... so much. We have. <laughs> Take a listen. No. <laughs> no, we're not I that far I watched a little, like, Avenue Q, like, I saw that this morning, now, too. And that made me feel a little better. I was I like, really it's, only it. it's only for now. <laughs> it's only right now. For now. That's me. That's me. I'm trying to be like, it's just for now, Stephanie. This isn't forever. Because, yeah, it's it feels crazy, man. I know. But if you're new to our show. If you're new to our show. We talk about uh, Corona. Five Start at the beginning, as Sarah would tell you. Yeah, 105. What are you doing? You have 104 episodes to get caught up on. Right? And you've got all this time. so much time to watch our decline from five stars to, what are we at now? Two stars. Just get out. We're at what, 4.7? We're at 4.7 on Apple Podcasts. We're at 4.6 on Facebook because of that one person who gave us like zero (laughs) stars. Because, guys, apparently we talk too much. And we make on fun of podcast. people's stories. On a podcast. Ooh. And we make fun of people's gross stories. <sighs> you know what, though? <laughs> Screw them. Because it's our show. And not, not theirs. theirs. <laughs> yeah, if you're new to the show, every week me and Sarah tell ghost stories or we talk about true crime, paranormal, spooky shit, and then we talk shit about it. And somebody on Facebook didn't like that. They did not. We made a lot of jokes. I wonder if they listened to the abortion episode. 
<laughs> Could you imagine being a first time listener and that being the first that's episode where you that started? You Oof, I am so sorry. <laughs> if that's where you started, I I feel like that could kind of be the equivalent to me. My first episode of Game of Thrones ever was the Red Wedding. And it's like, I'm either going to love this or I am going to be appalled. So it's funny you say that because that wasn't my... That wasn't my first one, but that was the first one that I watched in time. So basically what I mean by that is like, I had lost my job <laughs> right around that time. And I was like, every while well between jobs, everybody's talking about this show, Game of Thrones. I'm going to start it from the beginning. And I watched, it's in season three, right? Like I watched season all three, season yeah. one, mm-hmm. season two. And I was like, it's not even the finale of season three. Oh, it's episode, right? like, no, it's, it's episode nine there. because episode nine is always the episode that's like, what the awful. fuck? And that was the first one that, like, so I caught up, and that was the first one I watched, like, when it came out. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then you're like, now I have to wait another week? I also remember, like, watching the finale of season one, and I was like, how's he gonna get out of this? <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, waiting for the moment when Sean Bean's yeah, gonna right? escape. Spoiler or, like, alert. Like, somebody's gonna walk up and free him, he and then I was it. like, oh. <laughs> that also happens on episode nine. That's not the finale. It's not episode two. You're right. You're absolutely so, right. Because that's what they did. There you go. Um, I had a thing show up in my memories on Facebook that I sent to to Christina. And it's <laughs> it's from The Princess Bride, where it's Fred Savage. And he's like, I'm telling you, you're getting the story wrong. You're messing it up. And his grandpa is George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I think you're taking this too seriously. Like, maybe we should maybe stop we should for now. stop for now. <laughs> Oh, Game of Thrones. They did you dirty in those final seasons, just like they, they did, did everyone dirty the whole time. Not in the final seasons. They did everybody dirty from the beginning. I'm talking about the storyline, though, because it did so good storyline and plot wise. But then those last two seasons were just garbage. And the only other thing I've seen that's as similar is the character story for Andy Bernard on the last two seasons of The Office when they did him dirty and wrote his character into the ground. Oh, is that what happened? I'm trying to think yes. of when I stopped watching it. Most people stopped at season seven when Michael ended. There's nine seasons. So okay, that eight might be and right. nine. Because I'm like, I don't think I finished it, but I couldn't remember where I stopped. It's so good, but they do I remember Andy them going dirty. to Niagara Falls. Yeah, that's what it. Season was that? That's five, six. That's Jim and Pam's wedding. You should wedding. know. Okay, look. <laughs> I still have, what does it go off the air? 2021, 2022? I think I've still got a year. All right. I finished King of the Hill recently. There are 13 seasons oh, I know. of King of the Hill. Sawyer went through all of them while we lived together. <laughs> this last, our well, last year living together. I just finished it. Yep. It was, I was very sad. It ended very it's... unceremoniously because it was like canceled. So it didn't really have like a finale. Right. Like it didn't feel finalized at all but it's whatever i stand by it it was a good show it is a good show thank you greg daniels for what you've given us and mike judge mm-hmm. but yeah yeah anyways <laughs> this isn't what we're here to talk about not fun tv shows we're here to talk no, about not some at all crazy shit we're here to talk about our show and speaking of which before we get into it we're gonna do another live stream episode yeah. next week because you guys liked it so much yeah once we figured it out but yeah, I was like, we're going to look into the technology 
first. Weird. Like, we're going to yeah. retry and connect everything before we, like, officially do our live stream episode. It'll be but so much better. same time and place, it's going to be on the Dead Time Stories Facebook this Tuesday, which is May 26th mm-hmm. at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. Yes, correct. Yep. Good. Glad to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so with with all the banter aside, Sarah, Stephanie, Leslie, <laughs> y'all, y'all ready, ready to talk, to talk about, about some, some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Are you talking about a ghost, Sarah? Uh, not first. Well, no. What did you, What did you say? Oh, I said, are you talking about a ghost? And are you going first? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. No-ish and yes. So, it's not quite a ghost, per se. And I know last episode I said that I was going to table the discussion about doppelgangers, but I was going to tell that one guy's story about people in his house seeing each other when they're not supposed to be there. Um, So, this isn't necessarily about doppelgangers. I was like, are you telling that story? (laughs) Doing it all over again. I'm just going to retell the exact same story I told last week. Uh, Really running low on material over here, you guys. No. This is not about doppelgangers, but it is about something that is similar to a doppelganger, but a little more specific. And this is a folklore term called a fetch. Okay. Like, fetch stop trying to make fetch happen Sarah. there it is i just figured you would get it out of your system i heard about this term on reddit and that was the second comment down and it had like five thousand upvotes you mean like three thousand downvotes because fetch isn't happening so stop trying to make it happen (laughs) um so a fetch is apparently an old irish folklore and it's basically a supernatural double or apparition of a living person whose sighting is regarded as an omen, usually meaning impending death. So it's when you see someone, it's when you see an exact op, like exact replica of a person. Um, and then it's said that if you see them in a place where they're not supposed to be and that's not them, that's some supernatural entity of them warning that that person's, like, about to die. Um, it's similar to a doppelganger in that sense, except that it is always considered paranormal and doppelgangers are not always considered paranormal. Doppelgangers can also refer to just similar lookalikes. Um, so, like, the doppelganger is the general term and then a fetch is a specific type of a doppelganger. Yeah. Um, It's described as the exact spectral double of a living human, though the etymology and origins of the term are unknown. It's mainly found in Irish folklore and seem to be in popular use only in Ireland. And some believe the term to refer to a figure who fetches souls. But they resemble the soul that they're about to go fetch. Yes. And they only appear to a third party. So, so you wouldn't see a fetch of yourself? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Yeah. So it's basically like if you were, if I knew that you weren't home and then I walked in the house and I saw you sitting on the couch and I went upstairs and then I was like, wait a second. She said she wasn't going to be home and went downstairs and you were gone. And then I would oh, get a, definitely a fetch. I would get a call and, and then I got a call like an hour later being like, Stephanie died. Stephanie died. Then that would be a fetch. 
Dang. There are some, it goes back and forth by being anytime you say it, it means death. And then another form of it says that if you see a fetch in the evening, that means death. If you see a fetch in the morning, like the bright early hours of the morning, that means that that person is going to have a long life with good fortune. So. Okay. Take it as you will. So my question is, what does like four o'clock in the morning count as? Is that late at night or is that early in the morning? I would say, I think if the sun is starting to come up, that counts as early morning. But then again, like, isn't three o'clock the witching hour? So right, wouldn't like it be like four thirty five counts as early morning? I think you would I think know. you're just getting into semantics. <laughs> Listen, if you see the fetch and it's on that weird in-between time... Just watch your phone for the next like five hours. I was gonna say, if I don't get a call that that person died then that chances day, are then I can assume fortune. that they're gonna live a long and healthy life. Yeah, that's you know what okay. we'll go with that. If they die, because obviously you're seeing you their get a fetch, phone call, <laughs> so you're not. Yeah, they die. You hopefully get a phone call. That's how it goes. It's just a terrible day. Like you wait all day. Like, for oh my a phone god, call. are they gonna die? I don't know. What's Somebody's happening. gonna die. What's going Do on? Do I tell them? Or were they actually just know? in my kitchen stealing my coffee and I just thought they were a fetch? <laughs> and I was like, shit, I forgot you were staying over this weekend. Oh my God. I thought you were your fetch. thought you were going to die. <laughs> Oof. So some um, past famous fetch encounters, and then I'm going to get into a few other personal fetch sightings. And how they are different from doppelgangers. And then depending upon how long that goes, if that's really short, I have a bonus story. So we'll see. Okay. Um, so a famous fetch encounter. I just like the alliteration. In the 16th century, poet John Donne. John Donne. I know it's not pronounced that way. John Donne saw his wife standing in Paris holding a newborn. But he knew that this meant bad news because his wife was still in London and she had given birth to a stillborn child at the time that he saw her fetch in Paris. So he saw her standing in Paris, knew that that wasn't possible, and then come to find out when at that hour that he saw her there, she had gone and had a stillborn. Um, another story that you find says that in 1705, and Mrs. Margaret Bargrave sat at home in Canterbury, and at noon, her friend Mary Veal came in. They chatted for a bit with Miss Veal talking to Mrs. Bargrave about her marital problems. And then she asked Mrs. Bargrave to write some letters for her, including instructions about who should get some items from her jewelry collection. And almost two hours passed before Mrs. Veal finally took her leave. And then Mrs. Bargrave discovered the next day that Miss Veal had died. Right around the time that she came in for tea with her that day. Fucking, of course she did. She died and then she was like, you know what? Before I leave, I gotta go see my BFF for one last cup of tea. And I gotta make sure this bitch writes down who gets my jewelry collection. Because it's important. Done. Um, so the original place where I learned about this term was on Reddit. Surprise, surprise. Guys, I'm in quarantine. I'm on Reddit a lot. And it's the first story is from a user called Lies Buried. 
So this happened about five years ago to a friend of mine. My friend is in his mid-30s, and he and his wife had a seven-month-old baby and a five-year-old son. The wife was a stay-at-home mom, and the dad owned his own business and had a very flexible schedule, so he would take his son to school in the morning and pick him up, etc. It's about 11 a.m., and they call the cops because they keep hearing a strange sound in the house that sounds like feet or something, and though he was sure it was nothing, he wanted to make sure. The cop arrives, and the first thing the cop says is, why isn't your son in school? My friend is puzzled, and he says, what? And the cop says, your boy is sitting outside on your lawn. My friend again looks at the cop strange, looks on the lawn, and says, officer, my son is in school. I dropped him off this morning. The officer looks back at the lawn and sees nothing and is puzzled. At this moment, my friend's cell phone rings and it's his son's school. Apparently, his son has had some sort of allergic reaction and became extremely swollen, throat swollen, couldn't breathe, and was rushed to the hospital. The cops gave them an escort to the hospital so they could fly through the lights and everything. They arrive there and the son is doing fine and is stable and he got the shot to help him and everything. The cop waits to see how the family is doing and wants to check on the kid. My friend is appreciative and lets the cop come up and say hi to the kid. And he says that he had never seen a paler face in his life. And he said the cop looked as if he had just seen a ghost. And the cop said, that's the kid I saw in I your saw yard. My friend told me this creeped me the fuck out. And I didn't believe it. But his wife confirmed the whole thing. That's when someone commented on that and said that kind of an apparition is usually referred to as a fetch. If you see one, it means the person is in some kind of danger, about to die, or has just died. And they have a story, and their username is Jane from Vegas. And they say, both my parents were uh, raised on such stories, being that my cat was, um, whatever. Uh, my dad was a truck driver, and according to my mother and father, one early morning before my father left on a long haul, he was still asleep in bed, but my mother saw him clear as day standing in our kitchen. She asked him if he'd made coffee, and he disappeared. Later that week, on the road in Ontario, Canada, my dad had stepped out of his truck to make some adjustments to the stuff he was hauling, slipped on a patch of ice, and slid under the cab of the truck, knocking himself unconscious on the battery bay. A cop pulled over because my dad's truck was sitting there on the roadside, idling with the door open. There was no way to really know how long he'd been there, and he was out of it for about a week. The cop contacted my dad's trucking agency, and they contacted my mother. And when my dad finally got home, my mom told him she had seen his fetch before he left, and he yelled at her for not telling him. Anytime oh she'd catch sight of his fetch, he tried to rearrange whatever he was hauling with another driver because he truly believed that he'd get into a serious accident if he stuck with the trip, which that tells me that she saw that more than once. Once. Yeah. Multiple times. She saw him multiple times. And the other thing that they say about fetches is that they are definitely not ghosts, that sometimes you can interact with them. Other times, if you talk to them, they'll disappear. Or if you follow them, they'll turn a corner to get away from you and disappear. Um, but that they're never malevolent, anything like that. So people don't think that they're necessarily like ghosts, but maybe it's your spirit in another like dimension coming, being able to come back or... I, I also wonder if there's a thing to it like... Who sees a fetch? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, could anybody see it's a fetch? It's someone or who's are close. The people that see them. Okay. It's someone who's close to the, like it's going to be an immediate family member or someone very close to them. But is it somebody also with like 
I don't want to say like ESP, but like not everybody sees ghosts, but some someone who's see sensitive. Ghosts. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like if there's somebody who's like sensitive to that kind of thing, like are they going to be the one who would see a fetch? Yeah, that one I don't know. I have no idea. That's just that's what I wonder about it, especially if she's seen it multiple times. Yeah. But always for him, not like she's seen other people's, I guess. Exactly, yeah. Like, she's you know? seen it. But then again, it's like, I don't know, yeah. And maybe the fact that, like, I don't know. I have no idea. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, so that ended up being kind of short. I have one other story that, like, put my hair on edge when I read it. And uh, I'm just going to read that real fast. And then I'll be done with mine. Go for it. So. This is an answer to a Reddit thread that was asking um, cops and police officers of Reddit what was something that you've seen that you firmly believe was paranormal or, like, makes you believe in the paranormal. And this person commented, and their username is Landy0034. And it said, cop, real call. I've been on patrol for several years, and I love stuff like this. I had a backup officer with me who witnessed everything. Dispatch sent me to a call in a mountain area late one night. They said the caller reported several people holding a baby over their heads and chanting while standing on her property. The call sounded ridiculous, and I smirked as dispatch gave me the details. I arrived at the address after driving about 20 minutes along the mountain road. There's not much else up here, and it was extremely quiet. No one walks around out here, and there aren't very many cars driving this late. I walked along a gated driveway through a light wooded area, found the caller's house with two dim lights near the front door. The house was surrounded on three sides by heavy woods. I felt a little uneasy just looking at the house. I knocked on the front door of the house while standing on a large patio, and I heard something move to my left, which startled me because it was close. It sounded like a person, something big. I looked to the left and used my flashlight to light up the patio, and I didn't see anyone. I continued to knock, and I could hear two voices inside the house. I clearly heard a male and a female, and this made me feel a little better. I thought I heard someone on the patio, but it must have just been someone inside. The female eventually opened the door, and she was terrified, almost crying. She asked me to come inside and to close the door. She led me to the living room where I saw a very cheap security monitor, almost like a baby monitor camera setup with audio and video playing. The camera setup only provided live feed. The camera was positioned to view the front door and the patio area where I had just been standing. The audio was silent as I watched the monitor for a few seconds. The woman began to explain when I interrupted and I asked where the male was inside the house. I had heard his voice. She looked confused. She said she was here alone. I was surprised because I knew for a fact that I heard a male's voice when I knocked. I asked her several times and initially thought she was lying to me. My partner checked the house and did not find anyone. The woman said she was reading while sitting on the couch when she heard something over the security camera. She looked at the display and saw two people on the patio standing at the front door. She heard knocking at the door and called the police. I looked at the monitor, and although it was low quality, I could see the patio and front door area with decent clarity. As the woman continued to explain, the audio on the monitor went from quiet to extremely loud. We all stopped calling. We all stopped talking. The caller was shaking. I looked at the monitor, but I didn't see anyone. Loud audio continued to blast from the speakers. The audio sounded like wind, but it was not windy that night. And I asked the woman, what is that? 
and she said, It's them. The woman gives me her cell phone, stating she took pictures of the monitor, showing the two people on her patio. I look through several low-quality pics and didn't see anything. I continue to scroll, and sure enough, I see what looks like two two tall figures standing at the door. One of the figures is holding something. The figures look strange, all dark and featureless, in contrast to the video I saw on the monitor. I was in disbelief, and I thought, oh my god, she's telling the truth. I continued to scroll and saw one figure holding something up over its head. Another picture showed the item at the base of the door with both figures standing near it. I tried to reason to explain what could have caused these images, but it was pretty apparent that there had been two subjects on her patio. We check outside, walking the property of the tree line. I mention the movement on the patio and the male's voice from inside the house, and my partner asked me to just stop talking about it. We finish checking and return to speak with the caller. She says she was driving into town and staying at a hotel because she's too scared to stay here tonight. We walk along the driveway back to our cars. My partner jumps in his car and takes off. I laughed, but I felt really uneasy standing there in the dark, and I left shortly afterward. And he says that because it's usually just a typical nighttime 911 call. He never went back to the area and um, never found out who those people were or what happened. Yeah, that's fucking creepy. Yep. That one gate, like, I was just like, what is he going to walk outside and find? What are they going to go out and find? Like, yeah, that one got me. So there's my bonus story. I don't think those were fetches. I mean, they might have been coming to fetch her soul, but. Yeah. Thank you, Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, as a little. Palette cleanser. We have a promo this week, right? We do have a promo, and this podcast has nothing to do with ghosts or true crime, so if you need a break... I like those promos, though. Mix it up. The Yeah, right? The different ones, of course. We, like I said, we're branching out, so if you have another podcast, or if you have a podcast, reach out to us. We love to partner and see our friends and support our friends. Um, so this is our friend over at the podcast called Fat, Drunk, and Stupid, uh, and this is Rob. To tell you about his show, not ours. Hey folks, Rob here from Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. And what is that, you ask? Well, aside from three words that describe my life, it's a podcast. We talk about food, fun, fellowship, movies, books, video games, pop culture, and much more. Also, some very interesting guests and some awesome stories. And of course, some cold beers along the way too. So look us up on Twitter at FDS Podcast Seven, and look for Fat, Drunk, and Stupid wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Check out his podcast, y'all. Yeah, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid. <laughs> that's what they used to call me in high school. Just kidding. They still call me that today. I was gonna say. <laughs> I guess that's what they used to call me in high school. I don't know. That's um, what. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> then I was gonna make a really bad like that's what they used to call my dad joke, and then I'm like, no, they didn't. My dad was a lovely man. <laughs> <laughs> my father was a great man. <laughs> no, they didn't. My father was a lovely man. <laughs> Um, well, so I know a lot of my details. talking about this week? <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm talking about, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there, that because it's uh, Eastern European, I don't know if I'll be saying any of the names right in this story. Ooh, so she's going to be repeating them a ton of times. I'm talking about the Corum case. Are you familiar with this case? How do you spell that? K-U-R-I-M. I'm pronouncing it Corum. No, Curum? Curum? I'm pronouncing it Curum. (laughs) You were saying Corum. It's going all over the place today, you guys. (laughs) Curum. Curum. Cur- okay. Curum! I barely even know him! <laughs> um, and the person who accumulated a lot of these details on Reddit uh, has the Reddit name Forgotten by God. <laughs> oh, this is just another Reddit episode. <laughs> Ooh. Thank you, Reddit. Reddit, I hardly know it. So... <laughs> Um, I do want to put this out there, though, that this one is pretty, uh, it's pretty fucked up. So let's um, go. Content warning. Like, we're going to talk about some awful things that happened to some children. Oh, child death. All right. Not even child death, but like child, like torture. torture. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we've ever gone there. I'm putting that out there right now. Uh, this is pretty fucked up. So if you want to turn it off, like, no judgment. And, you know, hopefully we'll see you on Tuesday. And, yeah, we'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> totally understand. So this case, I'm going to tell it a little bit Tarantino style, right? So you're going to start, start at the, in the end. Middle. Oh, you're going to start in the middle not, not and the end. your way back. You're going to start in the middle, then go back to what happened before that to get us there, and then what happens after okay, that, right? Okay, got you, got you, got you. Because um, there's a lot to it. So we're going to start at the very beginning in May of 2000, well, not the very beginning, sorry, the very middle, which is May 2007. Um, so there's a man named Edward from a village called Corum, Corum, Corum is what I said I was going to call it, and it's situated close to the city of Brno in the Czech Republic. It's install- He was installing one of those electric, like, baby monitors, right? Uh, like a baby monitoring system with his TV to watch a newborn. So it was video footage. It wasn't just, like, an old, like, radio. Oh, my God. Do you think it's the baby that those figures on that woman's patio was holding Stop. over their heads? <laughs> <laughs> so he's setting this system up, right, so that he can watch his newborn. But something came in to... The system, like he was seeing footage that wasn't from his house. What? Uh, it was like it was intercepting <gasps> footage. Mm-hmm. And what he saw, like, bur- like scarred him for life. Oh my like, god! He'll never get over what he saw. Right. He saw a boy lying naked on the floor with his hands tied behind his back, eating food off of the floor like a dog. Uh, he also could see a female hand, which I don't know how you could say it was a female hand, but he saw a woman's hand, like, feeding the boy. Um, there are pictures. I did not look at them, um, because that sounds really awful. So, as soon as he, like, kind of registered what he was seeing, uh, he kind of understood, like, this was coming from somewhere nearby. Mm -hmm. And he immediately called the police who came to his house. They knocked on his door. Um, They, from who was in the video, like the house makeup, basically, they realized that it was the neighbor. Um, Like right next door? Right next (gasps) door. Mm -hmm. So the neighbors, or the police, forced their way into the neighbor's house. Uh, They found two women and three children. 
One of the children was the naked eight-year-old boy who was lying in the small chamber, hogtied. Next to him was a bucket for him to use the bathroom in. Uh, The two women were sisters named Clara and Katerina Maurer. And the horrible discovery, like, uncovered even more unbelievable shit than what they found in the house already. That started two years earlier. (gasps) So... That's the middle of the story. Oh my gosh. Now we go back two years. Now we go back two oh years. God. So the two women um, were Clara. We're calling them Clara and Katerina. Um, sometimes they're called Mora or Moreva. Um, but we call them Clara and Katerina Maurer because it's just a little, we're going to Americanize it. Um, so Clara is the single mother of two children. Okay. Remember, I said the police found three children. Okay. When they came in. So, Clara is the single mother of two kids, Andre and Jacob. She raises her sons in a good environment. The boys attend school. They're good at learning languages. They love playing sports. They celebrate birthdays. They go to summer camp. Like, totally normal life, right? They're very happy. So, they became less happy when... Aunt Katerina moved in. So Clara is the mom and Katerina is her sister. Uh, and Clara visits the house and she brings a 13-year-old girl named Anna Jarvanine. Hold on, okay? you're starting to break up. So Katerina's sister, or Katerina is the sister, uh, and she visits the house and she brings a 13-year-old girl named Anna Jarvanine. Okay. Anna, who later the media called Annika, so sometimes I say Anna and sometimes I say Annika, but they're the same person. But um, she's reportedly abused and a seriously ill orphan who's under the protection of a secret organization and is coming from Norway. So Why does she have her? Why does her sister have her? (laughs) We'll get to that. (gasps) Okay. So... And she, in good faith, so she, I think she met her, like, through the church, right? Like, she's taking in this, like, teenage runaway from from Norway. So, Clara first is, uh, in good faith, she takes Anna under her wings, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm going to raise her as my own. I'm going to give her a great life. And the little girl is suffering from various diseases, such as leukemia, kidney failure. Oh, my goodness. Um, Mm-hmm. She has issues with sight and with, with hearing, um, and she has bouts of, like, losing her vision or losing her hearing. What? And it's always Clara's sister, Katerina, who takes Anna to the hospital, right? Katerina is the one who took her in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always takes her to the hospital, and she always goes alone. She never lets Clara come with her to the hospital okay. to take Anna. In the meantime, Clara starts receiving instructions via text messages and emails from the mysterious doctor. Um, the only person who knows how to treat Anna is this doctor. Mm-hmm. So Clara, which is the mom of the two kids, the original lady, because I know they both have K names. <laughs> so Clara starts getting these instructions from the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, who is the only person that can treat Anna. And one of the treatments that Clara mentioned later during the trial Mm. um, was rubbing her body, especially, like, around her genitals for several hours. What? Uh, And then that would, like, relieve Anna's stress and she would, like, feel okay. Like a massage or just, like, wax on, wax off? 
I don't know that much. And I'm also like like rubbing like to where it burns her skin. And I'm like rubbing like in a sexual way. Like yeah, it's if it's like around your like, genitals. Right. Clara never met the doctor. What? That's right. Because uh, what's her name only went alone. Correct. Because Katerina always took Anna to the doctor alone. How did Clara get the instructions? Email? Through text, text messages. messages. Mm-hmm. Okay. She said that she only came in like person, like met him one time when he was in a car in the dark and she couldn't see his face. Okay. But he showed her a diplomatic passport and he gave her Anna's medical files. Um, later, when talking about, you know, why, she said, I know it sounds naive, but the fact that he was a diplomat and a doctor was the guarantee of authority to me. So I trusted him, oh, she said. Yeah. When Anna is at home, she describes horrifying stories about sexual abuse in Norway. Now, mind you, this all takes place in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is something that the Reddit person who put a lot of details together pointed out that I'm like, what a great question. Like, did they ever question why she spoke Czech? Like, <laughs> how she was fluent in their language? Huh. Like, did they ever? Because it wasn't the same language. that's not where, yeah, where she's from. And, and she's like 13. But anyway... During the days when Anna was hospitalized, Clara was supposed to talk to her via the phone several times a day, and the doctor mediated Clara's messages to Anna so that she uh, so that she could hear her while she was unconscious. Um, he was like, these are the things that you should say to her. So she would say whatever the texts told her to say. Okay. There was one problem, though, and Clara didn't know about this until later. Anna... Was not who she said she was. Okay. She was not a 13-year-old girl from Norway. She was a 31-year-old woman (laughs) named Barbora Skrolova. And she was Czech. She was not from Norway. She was a university graduate. Specifically, she was a dramatic arts person. Stop! (laughs) Stop! She pulled the weirdest con on these people with her arts degree, being like an actor. An absolute psychopath. Oh my god. And she was a friend of Clara's sister, Katerina, who becomes the most mysterious person in the case, depending on who you are. So she knew that this not 13-year-old was a 30-year-old actor and brought her in? Right, I still don't really understand what she knew because there's there's always more. <laughs> um, there's just limited information about how they came to get together. So we don't know if she was like if uh, Barbara when she was pretending to be Anna because mm-hmm. Barbara is her real name. Um, we don't know if she was like pretending to be like a homeless teen. Or, like, if she conned with Katerina, like, it's... It's also, like, what did she get out of this con? Just a place to live? Who knows? Because it's not like she's getting money from them, because she was a child in their So, eyes. she took advantage from her very young appearance and manipulated weak and submissive Clara so far that Clara started torturing her own boys. Oh, <gasps> so that's where that came from? 
According to medical exams she was supposed to take during the investigation, Barbara went through breast reduction, breast reduction surgery and liposuction. Despite colorful descriptions of sexual abuse, she had never had sexual intercourse before. According to some experts, Anna suffered severe mental illness issues and needed medical treatment. However, the others said that she's just a very good actress, intentionally played a little girl, and participated on the torture of two boys. Oh my god. Um, this is not the only identity of hers that we will see <gasps> in this story. As investigators later discovered from the text messages and email transcriptions, Clara kept receiving sad news about Anna's health conditions, heart failure, blindness. One day, Clara received the message that Anna was kidnapped from the hospital, and while Clara was worried about Anna's life, Anna was on holiday in the mountains. Oh my god. It was proved that all the messages were coming from Katerina's or Anna's slash Barbara's mobile phone or computer. Surprise, surprise. But um, but was Katerina sending them or was, or was Anna? Anna sending them from Katerina's stuff? You don't. We still was, don't know. Um, definitively, I guess. Different people say different things. Wow. Okay. Um. It was also discovered that Barbara didn't have a problem creating a new identity. It was her idea to create Anna's identity, and she picked Clara as a tool so that she had an official home. With the assistance of her father, Joseph Sclara, and Katerina Mora, they managed to fool authorities and had obtained all official documents about her being 13. So her dad is in on this? The 13-year-old's dad? 13, not 13. The 13-year-old who's really a 31-year-old? Yes. Joseph Sclara was reportedly a leader of the branch of the St. Grail sect, and Anna was a member. It was a cult. Oh my god, what? (laughs) There's cults in this? There's everything in this, Sarah. Holy shit! They had some followers, and story for Clara was that cannot be revealed because they were secretly helping Anna, and they used their own sources to pay for it. The covering reason behind it was Anna is chased by some criminal organization and sexual traffic rings. Like, that's her story. Like, she ran away yeah. from Norway. Um, Sklara also told Clara he worked in, as he was the doctor in the car, that he worked in uh, diplomatic services and cooperates with the president of Azerbaijan. However, investigators never confirmed the sect had ever existed, and despite Joseph Sklara was a suspect as the mysterious doctor, Sklara was never properly interrogated, and he disappeared. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's all 2005. Holy shit. Remember we started in, in 2007. Seven. So I assume mm-hmm. between now and 2007 is when Anna Corna Barbara ends up convincing uh, Clara to torture her boy. Yeah. yeah. So okay. 2006... Clara plays less and less attention to her boys, who are now spending more and more time with their grandparents. Clara is still trying to get Anna out of her trauma, and she decides to adopt her. But there's a snag in it. The doctor is messaging Clara that it won't be possible because authorities are not going to allow adoption due to the boys being mean to Anna. (gasps) Clara needs to cure the boys (gasps) from the evil spirit, and she has to start with the appropriate therapy. Oh my god! He recommends hard discipline and physical punishments. (gasps) Clara starts beating repeatedly both of them for silly reasons using bare hands, belt, or wooden kitchen spoons. 
She was closing them uh, in the clock room or the bathroom where they often had to stay overnight. <gasps> oh my god, those poor boys! Yeah. Viverska Bitska Bitska uh, is a small town in Brono County, uh, and it's surrounded by picturesque nature. For the boys, though, it was a horrible place where they possibly spent the worst days of their lives. Gosh. The doctor decides Clara's therapy doesn't work and that they need shock therapy. <gasps> Clara has to stop behaving as their mother, and she takes both boys and leaves their home, currently in Bruno, to a cottage in the woods nearby uh, in um, <laughs> the place I horribly mispronounced before. <laughs> Viverska Bidiska. Sure. Yeah, we'll call it that. We'll go with that. So here they met Jan Sklar, who is Barbara's brother, so, Barbara's Anna. Uh, so she's getting emails from a doctor saying mm-hmm. this kid who is of no relation to you needs right. this treatment. And this treatment involves punishing your children over and over and then taking your children somewhere else else because you need to no longer be their mother figure and you're already a single mother not even necessarily that she needs this treatment like you want to adopt this girl who's been staying with you right Mm -hmm. who your sister brought you you want her to you want to adopt her but let me tell you the courts are never gonna let you adopt her because your boys are so mean to her so if you want to be able to adopt her you've got to straighten out those boys and then you'll be able to adopt this girl. So she's okay. like, oh, okay. And she keeps taking, like, the the treatment, quote unquote, like, mm-hmm. to, to heal these boys, to make them act right, are the tortures that he's sending her that escalate. And he being, being Barbara, who is Anna, yeah. the person posing as the 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Because remember, the cops found two little boys and a girl. Why did she? Okay. And she's the girl. Okay. I'm just, I have so many questions, but yes. Okay. So here they meet um, with a bunch of people in um, Barbara's family who are posing as different people. So yeah. like her brother is there. Um, somebody that they enlisted who knew Clara from working at summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, like people that she knew, but they hired them to like work with them. And that is a thing I don't even understand. Yeah. But remember there was like a cult too. So I'm like, maybe they were just all in the cult together. Um, okay. It's really weird. So, uh, once they moved there, the boys were kept in dog cages (gasps) where they could only kneel. Mm -hmm. And they were doing all their, uh, business in there as well. Like they were kind of being pooped in the cages. Yeah. They were not allowed to communicate with each other, and not even Clara may come and comfort them. Uh, vice versa, she, so this is where stuff, it's already been really awful, but this is, like, really awful. Oh, God. So, she would um, start to basically waterboard them in, like, a bucket uh, while her while Katerina held their hands. They were burned with cigarettes, they were scratched with forks, they were hogtied, and they were, like, berated. They had to, like, beat each other. <gasps> Jacob uh, was perfor- or was forced to pretend that he was dead. Like, they made him dig a hole and, like, lay in it and pretend he was dead. And things culminated when Jan Sklara, which is 
Barbara's brother, Anna, the girl, like Barbara's her real yep. name. Um, and Jan Turek, which was another person like from the cult, the person that she knew from camp. Um, they covered their heads with bags, they tied them and they burned them with cigarettes. Um, they ripped off like a band-aid that Andre had on his butt and they burned the wound. <gasps> According to some sources, he was forced to eat it. The band-aid? The band-aid. Mm-hmm. In order to prevent the screaming and yelling, they taped their mouths during this torture. Uh, they had to hold their genitals like they were naked and had to like hold themselves. <sighs> Um, Barbara, or Anna, she participated as well. Of course. She she reportedly um, did some of the bucket drowning, uh, contributed to the torture by falsely accusing the boys of hurting her, knowing that they would be punished for those things. During the eight days in the cottage, they pretended to... Sorry, my roommate's like... During the eight days in the cottage, um... They, you know, had all these things tortured on them by by Anna and by their mother the other people. Too. Right. Then they made uh, they they had Anna like pretend that she was also being tortured, so um, the boys would think that she was getting the same treatment, but that like it was fake. She wasn't really being hurt. How would that make them then, feel better if she's also the one torturing them? I have no idea. Anna demonstrated to Clara how to make a tying knot, showing it on a teddy bear, but Clara assumed she must have known it from from previous abuse. Oh my god. Everything was based on the doctor's instructions. <gasps> Clara's duty was to prefer Anna to her sons. She claims he psychologically destroyed her. Viverska Bisteka supposedly worked as an educational institution and Clara was the teacher. The boys had the last chance to rehabilitate everything, um, made sense, burning, beating, everything was based on the doctor's instructions, Clara later explained. In September, Clara starts the adoption process. What the the fuck? Okay. This is still 2006. Jesus God. One of the conditions the district court requires is a DNA sample from the girl, but the doctor won't allow it. He claims it would have been dangerous because they may find out Anna suffers. Uh, they might find out about more about like Anna's leukemia, which I'm like, how would that convince them not to? <laughs> you might learn more about her diseases. And also, like, make- is the the you know obviously quote unquote doctor is he emailing the court and the judges as well? Because I feel like Clara walking in with a phone saying, um, her doctor texted and said we can't do this. <laughs> we can't isn't do this. going to fly with a judge. So, to make things even more complicated... Oh, no. Clara's sister, Katerina Mora... Uh, Mora... Morova... Whatever. Katerina convinced the daughter of a local actor, Victor Scala, to stand in front of the court instead of Anna. Neither her name nor her picture had ever been published. Victor Scala, because she was a minor... But they and they also didn't know that it was a girl. The sex wasn't given, so they could put a girl, a boy, in front. Oh no! Victor Scala was the dad of the girl. They hired the the daughter of Victor. Scala, oh oh, the, oh 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 okay. But her name also was not divulged because she's, she's a minor, minor sure. so her name wasn't published. Um, but so they didn't have any pictures of Anna to be like you know. So they brought a dummy in. Neither her name nor her picture had ever been published. Victor Scala later confirmed him and his daughter were used by Katerina and never admitted any participation in the case. Nonetheless, it worked and the court approved the adoption. Uh, 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 Mm -hmm. 
At this point, Clara entrusts her sons to Katerina and lives with Anna only. Those Mm -hmm. boys! Those poor boys! Jacob attends the school close to the city of Brno, and Andre is assigned for domestic education covered by by Katerina as the guarantor. Oh, no. When questioned about it later, um, Clara said she didn't mind that she was separated from her sons because she was so obsessed with Anna, like, she had done so much to get this child that she, like, she's like, well, my sister can take good care of them. Like, I need to do everything I can to finalize this adoption because I've already given up so much to to make this work. She's a shitty person. I don't like her. So, beginning of May, or beginning of 2007, Andre and Jacob are moving back to Clara while the doctor arranges a new house for them in Coram. While Annika has a nice room painted with by uh, painted yellow and full of toys, the boys are often closed in a dark chamber and tied up, especially Andre. And this is when um, Edward installed his babysitter cam and discovered what was going on in the house next door. Um, the judge who was assigned the case thanked him profoundly. Um, after the police came into the house... They placed all three children in a children's house oh. called Kolkanek, which is a little kangaroo. Jokes on you. One of them ain't a kid. But the same night, Anna fled from the house and disappeared. Of course she fucking did. I, oh, I hate the women in this story. Girl. Media investigated and found that she was in Denmark, but then she fled again, this time to Oslo, Norway. From September to December 2007, she visited a school where she pretended to be a 13-year-old boy named Adam. What is her fucking problem? (laughs) According to one article where the journalist made an interview with her teacher in Oslo, she refused to refer to Anna as a girl. For her, she will be Adam forever. She was so convincing in her new role. She attended classes such as history, Norwegian, etc. The only class Adam refused to visit was gym class, and we didn't want to force him, the teacher notes. So this person, Barbara, Anna, Adam, is like, I'm going to fucking be the Meryl Streep of the Czech Republic and fool all these bitches into thinking I'm all these different people. And make them torture their kids? I don't understand any of her motives. As soon as Czech authorities confirmed that she was in Oslo under another identity, she was immediately extradited to the Czech Republic. Good. Uh, About fucking Um, time. So, as far as the trial goes, (laughs) because, bitch, they was on trial, um... The whole case contains over 6,000 pages of information. Like, that's how much stuff there was to tell. For this one crazy bitch. For this one case, right. So, uh, so of course, there are details that are left out, but this is, like, as much information as I yeah. found on this story was what I've presented here. Oh, my gosh. So, all the people that were charged were found guilty, but... All of them are out of jail today, including Anna slash Barbara slash Adam. Anna, Corinna, Barbara, Adam, Anna, Adam, Bama. Clara served nine years. Katerina served ten years. Barbara served five years. What the fuck? Stop. Stop. 
Um, Why? The person, Jan Turek, the person that they knew from college, or that they knew from camp or whatever, he served five years. Her brother served seven years. What happened to those boys? What happened to Clara's boys? Are they okay? One journalist searched for the boys and claimed that despite all of the trauma they went through, today they are self-confident young men. Here is a Facebook status that was written by Andrea recently. If you get hurt by someone who took the benefit from you with high hopes, learn to respect him and take him as the biggest teacher of yours. Because if your life is going to be smoothly and you become a delicate person, mind you, this is translated to English. Mm-hmm. Um, if, on the other hand, you experience tragic circumstances, you develop inner power and the courage to face them. Wow. Good on those boys. So people are like, who's obviously like, who's to blame? Who's to blame? People put it on Barbara. Some people really put it on her brother, or sorry, her father, Joseph Sklara. Saying that she was brainwashed. Right, by him to do all these things. But again, what's the gain? Like, what did you gain from this? It's not like she killed anyone to get their inheritance. It's not like, I mean, unless somehow she got money. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of doubts whether police charged all the people involved in the case. Um, so he was suspected of being the mysterious doctor, but there's no proof about it. The dad was. Investigators worked, yes, worked with the version that, uh, that Katerina and Barbara had given all the instructions. That it was between, you know, the sister and, um, Barbara slash Anna, like the person pretending to be the girl. like how the 13-year-old girl, you know, in quotes, um, made sure to prescribe herself nightly massages. Right. That would be mm-hmm. nice. Maybe I'm going to pretend to be a doctor and make Charlie give me nightly Charlie massages. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor said, babe. So, um, so basically the way they were, the way the justice system treated it was that Katarina and Barbara were like the masterminds and that maybe Barbara's um, brother, Jan, Had like assisted it. occasionally. Right. Um, there's still no real motive. Like, we don't really know why. That's insane. And it was a lot, especially considering how many people were involved. Like, what motivated all of these people to be a part of it? Were they bored? I have no idea. I don't understand. So, um, there are a lot of people, uh, most resources confirm that Barbara was the main initiator and manipulator. Mm -hmm. She was able to present her, to present herself in various roles and emotionally blackmail blackmail people. Yeah. After her arrest in Norway, police confiscated her diary, where she describes all the details about her identities, <gasps> how she prepared herself, and experts undoubtedly deducted she did not suffer from schizophrenia or similar diseases, and she consciously wore multiple identities in order to manipulate people. Oh my god! So that's like her kink. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all of this was despite her IQ was repeatedly, it was repeatedly measured and showed only 99 points maximum. Hmm. Her stylization into the role of the child is coming from the fact that she feels better as a child in real life, preventing, uh, taking over responsibility for her actions. And at the same time, child attitude attracts the attention that she desperately seeks because people just want to help her because she's a little girl. Oh my gosh. According to experts, she has histrionic personality disorder um, and is significantly um, 
anomalous and has strong inclination to manipulative behavior. Sexologists proved that she had a sadomasochistic predisposition with lesbian and pedophilic orientations, which is, in other words, she's sexually stimulated while watching children be tortured. None of the above means that she's not responsible for her actions. Uh, she, there are pictures of her in jail, but I did say, like, she is out of jail now. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Woof. So, that is the very real story I you of the Kurum case. You mentioned that your story also ties in with your I seen it, and I think I know what I seen it you're going to do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Because of this. What's scary, though, is this is the most disturbing um, one of these I've heard of, but this isn't the first time I've heard of an adult posing to be a child getting adopted by someone else. Yeah. Which is just like, what the ever loving hell. Yeah. Like, oh my God, (laughs) that's terrifying. So that's my absolutely horrible story. And if you stuck through it, good for you. Thank you guys. Really intense. Honestly, my, like my number one thought, all my thoughts go to those poor freaking boys who had a normal life. And then for two years, it was fucking ruined by a 31-year-old yeah. selfish bitch. Pretending to be Pretending a 13-year-old. Pretending to be a 13-year-old. Yep. Too much. So, Too much. That's the story, and it's all true. Ugh. And, yeah. Woof. It's awful. It's really, really awful. If you want to hear more terrible stories like this. <laughs> huh. Not tuned. like this. <laughs> there won't be more like this. I don't think there's ever, I mean. I don't, you know I don't what, though? We always say, like, this is the worst story we've ever told. This is the worst story. And then we somehow find a way to find another one. So. Right. People will always be awful. And so we'll always have content for this we'll show. We'll have content. Woof. So if you want to support this show, you can subscribe to our Patreon. And uh, there is con- there's awesome shit starting even just at $1. You can access our Patreon-exclusive Facebook group, which is a roaring fucking good time. Yeah, it is. Me and Sarah are there, a bunch of your your Dead Time Stories favorite people, like Christina, Mary Angela, Colleen, my sister, um, my partner Val. We're all there, and we all uh, do a bunch of memes, and it's a really good time. And then $5 a month, you get access to I See Ted, which we reference. I referenced. Which we referenced. Um, and the movie I'm talking about uh, this month is inspired by this story. So keep that in mind if you're interested. But if you don't have money, you can also just give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or Facebook. Facebook. Or anywhere else yep. that you support your podcasts. You can email us at uh, deadtimestories at gmail.com. Deadtimestories, of course, all one word with a Z. You can buy merch from deadtimestories.com. You can also find so all exciting. of our episodes on deadtimestories.com. You can, because Sarah fucking rules. And then this Tuesday, we're recording our next episode live on Facebook again on the Dead Time Stories Facebook page, Tuesday, the 26th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll be recording that and posting it as a regular episode on Thursday. Correct. But if you want to watch it live and comment with all your favorite people, that's going to be a fun thing. And see everything that ends up getting left on the cutting room floor, which last week was a fair amount. So, 
<laughs> I'm sure you got rid of the whole first 20 minutes. I mean, I got rid of a fair amount. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, Sarah, is there any other stuff I forgot? Uh, No, I need to go to the bathroom, so oh, I love let's it. wrap okay, it up. Cool. Well, <laughs> awesome. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Ugh. So I have to go to the bathroom. Did you get it? Did you get my joke? Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 